Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is an RNZ podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in once again for Simon Morris. This week on our Going Out and Stay at Home edition of At the Movies, a Chinese chef finds himself stranded in the middle of rural Finland. Can he wean the locals off their sausage and beer? People happy importer. Good food make happy importer. Yeah, happy. A New York film company assistant discovers she's working for a monster. Gary, hi, just need the confirmation. Hey, we had to uh, move. Uh, yes, out of Teterboro tonight at 11 p.m. And what time does that get him into Los Angeles? Yeah, that should work, yeah. Wheels down at 2.15. Okay, great. And as of right now, there are two additional passengers. Yes. Okay, great, thank you. And a rising star leaves the scene far too early in a documentary about the late actor Anton Yelchin. We were in the gymnasium, and I was, like, yelling at him about trying to get him to, you know, do something. And um, he was like, I kept trying to find different ways to say that line. I just feel like I didn't find it. And I was like, really? I just find, like, one way of saying it, and that's just what I stick to. And he was like, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) Yes. Shane. You can't leave. Why? We need your Chinese kitchen. What? You can stay here and, 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 uh, and work here. People, people like your food. Rompane like really much and he's sick. Yes, I know. I can see it. And, and I learn, yes. You, you must teach me how to make your Chinese soup. No work papers. Your boy will like it in here. He doesn't like it? That's because he doesn't have any friends yet. Only a stopper, man! In this game, usually the last refuge of a scoundrel is to call a film predictable. Of course you think it's predictable, readers and listeners cry. You watch hundreds of films a year. Of course they'll all start to blend in together. We only get to watch one film a fortnight, if we're lucky, so everything we see seems fresh and innovative. Well, I'm sorry to say that our first film this week would seem predictable even if you've never seen a film before in your life. It is a tale as old as time, as they say. Only the finer details provide a little bit of novelty. Master Cheng is about a great Chinese chef, played by Pak Hon Chu, who finds himself stranded in rural Finland, and language difficulties mean that most communication between him and the locals occurs in a kind of butchered English. With his young son, Cheng is looking for a character called Fongtron, but nobody of that name exists in the town. Disconsolate and lonely at the diner belonging to pretty Sirka, whose only culinary achievements appear to be a dozen different ways with sausage, mashed potato and coleslaw, they are interrupted by a coachload of Chinese tourists whose bus has broken down. 
Cheng sees an opportunity to help out, and with the help of the local convenience store, finds enough noodles and chicken to feed the hungry masses. So good is his food that the tour guide promises to return regularly, and Sierka sees a chance to team up with Cheng, even though he has no work permit. That will be important later on. Mark my words. Atan paras päiväkasta ikinä. Best day ever. Good business. Hey, kiitoksia paljon. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. No need, no need. Uh, no, you work hard. This is yours. No. I cook. You happy? The Chinese people happy? Everybody happy. You're a cook? Yes, um, professional. Um, restaurant in Shanghai. A good one. Must be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Cheng. Sirka. Um, Sirka. 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 Um, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't take long before Cheng's skills are also winning over the crusty old locals who think they're far too white and heterosexual, that's a quote, by the way, to eat exotic food like Chinese. But by using fresh ingredients like the fish he catches from the lake and local reindeer, they discover that his cooking not only tastes good, but it makes them feel good too. And the widower Chang finds that the bonds between him and the lonely spinster Sirka, played by Anna Maya Torko, are becoming about more than just satisfied customers. He slowly melts and reveals the secrets of his past, and she starts to hope that the diner in the Finnish countryside isn't the end of the world after all. Okay. Chinese cooking is based on very old tradition. Um, balance everywhere, in colour, taste when serving, and in the effect. Effect? Yes. For example, in winter, we make more warming food. And in the summer, we make more cooling food. For the active person, we make more calming food. And for the lazy person, we make more active food. And even for men and women, we can make different food for different effect. Just depends what effect you want. I know, it's like yin and yang, like love and sorrow, like sweet and sour. Exactly. Now you know everything about Chinese cooking. <laughs> Directed by the rather more commercially minded of the two Finnish filmmaking Kaurys Maki brothers, Mika, this is a fish-out-of-water story we've seen and read and heard a thousand times. Stranger arrives in town and the locals are initially suspicious, but eventually his special skills come in handy and they all learn something about each other and grow and all that. He could be a samurai or a gunfighter, a poet or a teacher, but either way he'll woo the lonely widow and build a home in this strange land. Master Cheng is an especially conservative version of the tale, romanticizing everything it touches. Cheng is Chinese in all sorts of stereotyped ways. He does Tai Chi, hangs lanterns, lets off fireworks. The locals are proudly and iconoclastically Finnish, introducing our hero to all the most famous aspects of their culture. 
We mentioned reindeer before, but he also manages to have a sauna, get smacked about with birch branches, go skinny dipping in the lake, and discovers boozing. By the end, you'd swear they were all made for each other. The film makes it seem as if provincial Finland has never seen a Chinese person, which I find difficult to believe, frankly, and that despite only being a half-hour's drive from the next town and its large supermarket and pizza joint, they are happily blinkered in their attitudes to both cuisine and culture. Never mind, this is crowd-pleasing and unchallenging tosh, which might be just the ticket during times like these. And the food preparation sequences look lovely and, I expect, will make you hungry. I fancy some herbed reindeer myself right about now. Cheng, your food. Yes. Sometimes it can heal a person. I mean, if you are ill, you can do better with the food. Yes, but not always. I know. I have this cancer. And uh, I know it will follow me till the last day of my life. But what your food gave to me, it was hope. You gave hope to me. You gave hope to all of us. You gave hope to Sirka. And I want to thank you for that. Yeah. Sometimes... Hope and health, they are the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Master Cheng is rated PG, is playing in select cinemas across New Zealand now. Gary, hi, just need the confirmation. Hey, we had to uh, move. Uh, yes, out of Titaboro tonight at 11 p.m. And what time does that get him into Los Angeles? Yeah, that should work. Wheels down at 2.15. Okay, great. And as of right now, there are two additional passengers. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Bill, hi. I'll need the suite ready for tonight, plus two additional rooms. John, hi. 1.30 a.m. Van Nuys. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Can you do the 19th? No, the 20th? Oh, okay. Uh, 10 to 11? Well, how, how are you feeling now? Okay, I, I understand. Uh, don't worry, I'll sort it out. Okay, you look after yourself. Okay, okay take care. Back in 1975, with Jaws, Steven Spielberg rewrote the rules of the horror film by hiding the monster until the very last minute. Despite the fact that he only came up with that solution because the giant model shark didn't work properly, suspense became the key, and now we're accustomed to slow build-up and only getting glimpses of what scares us. In Kitty Green's new workplace horror, The Assistant, the monster never appears at all, but the evidence for him is all around, as if we were travelling through the forest looking for Frankenstein's monster and all we can see are broken trees and smashed cottages. Except the trees and cottages in this scenario are the hopes and dreams of ordinary working people. The assistant takes place over one very long day at the New York offices of a reasonable-sized motion picture production company. In the office of the chairman, there are several assistants, and at the bottom of the pecking order is the newly arrived Jane, played by Julia Garner. Young, 
Ambitious but not aggressively so, she starts early, Ubering in from Astoria, Queens to Manhattan every morning before dawn, and finishes late, not leaving until the boss is gone. In the meantime, she fetches lunches for her colleagues, photocopies scripts, books travelled on the executive jet to Hollywood, although not for her, and occasionally gets to eat the leftover donuts off the meeting room table. Details are everything in this film. So many ghastly moments that must have been plucked from life. But the build-up of suspense in the movie comes from the slow accumulation of evidence that her boss is a monstrous predator and that the entire office seems to be set up to enable that behaviour, if not condone it. So you're from Idaho, right? Yeah. Um, Boise. You then? Mm-mm. No, there's not much to see. So did you did you come straight from there or? Yeah, I mean there was this this whole conference thing a while back. I was working there. Oh okay. Yeah, just waitressing, but I've I've worked in film before. Oh. Yeah, I did some work on this movie that shot in Salt Lake City, so I know, but. My uncles and craft services. At the heart of the film is a terrific performance by Garner, who I first saw in an amazing little film called Electric Children a few years ago, where she played a Mormon teenage girl who thought she'd been made pregnant by listening to a cassette tape of popular music. She has very few lines in this film. Nobody does. The soundtrack is mostly made up of distant office hubbub or copying machines. But she carries the awful balancing act of anyone in a situation like that in her eyes the whole time. There's so much competition for jobs in the film industry that it is all too easy to turn a blind eye to abuses of power and then slowly to become complicit in it. All her colleagues know that damage is being done to women throughout the company, but it is simply career suicide to call it out. Can you deal with this? What, what, what is it? The wife. Why me? Fine. Hello? Sorry? They're blocked? I'm surely not. Let me, let me get in touch with the bank. Yeah, it's... I mean, you, you have your personal cards, right? I, I, I really think that this is a misunderstanding. No, I, I am. I'm just, I'm trying to help. Why is he doing this to me? Why? I, I really don't. Uh... Why is he doing this to me? Uh... He can't treat me like this. Are you, are you still there? The writer and director of The Assistant, Kitty Green, has been around independent films for a long time. She made the famous documentaries Casting John Bonet and Ukraine is Not a Brothel, so she would have been hyper-aware of the behaviour of the executive that this film seems to be inspired by Harvey Weinstein. The shadow of his story and the fact that he hadn't even gone on trial while The Assistant was in production and that therefore there was no guarantee that any justice was going to be done for his victims looms over the film as it must loom over the entire industry. Or over work 
places generally, if you think about it. Power is used and abused everywhere you go, and you might, depending on your workplace situation, ask yourself why you'd choose to spend another hour and a half in a toxic work environment after you've just finished it your own for the day. I can't make that call for you, but the assistant is haunting, deliberate, and sympathetic to almost everyone in the film whose choices are so difficult. Watching the film at a time when economic forces are likely to take even more power away from vulnerable workers was extra sobering. Yeah, but where do you go to college? Of uh, Northwestern. It's a great school. It's a great school. You're smart. You have to be smart to get into Northwestern. Plus, that 3.8 GPA. And you're on a you're on a fast track in this business working here. You are. So, what's your plan? Sorry. Where do you want to be in five to ten years? Oh, uh, I, I want to produce. I want to be a producer. You do? Yeah. <laughs> that's, okay, that's excellent. We could use more women producers. You know, that's a you, it's a tough job, but I can see that you've got what it takes. Thanks. So why are you in here trying to throw it all away over this bullshit? The Assistant is rated M for offensive language and sexual themes. It's playing at select cinemas around the country now. The character of, of Chekhov in, in Star Trek speaks a kind of Russian that doesn't really exist. They're creating a singularity that will consume the planet. And uh, it was actually really hard for Anton at the beginning to speak Russian badly. He could not speak in English with Russian accent. He couldn't. He went to my father, and I, I said, well, ask JJ, is my accent is good? And he said, Mom, no. When he was business, he was saying, Mom, Mom, your accent is not good for this. I need grandpa accent. Excuse me. Yes, Sorry, Mr. Chekhov, what is it? Based on Zinrada's course from Wilkin. Sticking with Hollywood for our final film, Love and Tosha, is a documentary about a movie star. So far, so blah. What do the lives of film actors have to tell us about anything these days? Well, this is a bit different. Anton Yelchin was a child star in the early 2000s who transitioned successfully into full-blown adult movie stardom after taking on the role of Chekhov in the rebooted Star Trek franchise in 2009. He was an exceptionally hard worker, as his very long list of credits on IMDb will testify. Franchise films, indie films, TV, art house, shorts for mates, cartoon voice work. He seemed to be on a mission to do as much as he could in as short a space of time as possible. And in Love and Tosha, we find out why. But we also remember how his life and career were cut short in 2016 in the most random way possible, trapped between his Jeep Grand Cherokee truck and the gates of his house when the car he thought was in park turned out to still be in drive. It was as horrifying as it was unexpected, and I must admit that at the time I heard about it, it was really only a weird footnote to a career that I'd only seen about one third of. Have you kissed her yet? Yuck. Well, you will, I promise you. Stay away. <laughs> you will, and it will be the kiss by which all others in your life will be judged. Dear Journal, 
Today I have my first kiss. This was my first kiss with Mika. It was okay. I kind of liked it. It was very nice. And I did it twice. I hope it happens many more times. Anton Yelchin was born in Leningrad to parents who were champion Soviet ice skaters. They got out of Russia as refugees when he was a baby and they settled in Los Angeles. Anton, the only child, was creative and, if all the home video footage is anything to go by, irrepressible. And he eventually went to acting lessons and then on to auditioning for commercials. His talent for being present, as well as his tremendous work ethic, was soon noticed by Hollywood and he started picking up roles in films starring real heavyweights like Anthony Hopkins and Albert Finney and holding his own in the process. What he didn't know, though, because his parents chose to keep it from him until adulthood, was that he had cystic fibrosis, an incurable disease that mostly affects the lungs. His prognosis was not good. It generally isn't for sufferers. But he seems to have had a lust for life and work even before he was told why he was coughing so much at the age of 17. We were in the gymnasium, and I was, like, yelling at him about trying to get him to, you know, do something. And um, he was like, I kept trying to find different ways to say that line. I just feel like I didn't find it. And I was like, really? I just find, like, one way of saying it, and that's just what I stick to. And he was like, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) The film is full of reminiscences from some seriously high-caliber people, many of whom are more candid and relaxed talking about their friend than I've seen in films on other topics. Kristen Stewart, for example, talks about how Yelchin broke her heart when she was 14 and how he then came and apologised a few years later once his own heart had been broken and he knew what it felt like. It's honest, too, about so many aspects of his life and it's suffused with the love of and for his parents. Rarely when you watch a biography like this do you really feel like you know somebody better at the end of it, but in Love Yentosha you actually do. What I was left with was that sobering realisation that even when you think you know how long you have left, you really, really don't. I remember talking to Irina about how frustrated he would be with his career, and that was always baffling to me because of how respected he was. And, you know, I don't know that he ever knew that, honestly. I don't think he ever let himself know that or believe that. I want to make things and I want to express a particular point of view that I have and that is creatively, emotionally fulfilling to me. And so I spend time thinking about that and I think about how to do that, how to accomplish that, you know. And these things actually worry me because you can hear a lot of great things about yourself and then you can get shit on the next day. And the institutional discourses of Hollywood are a threat to a human being's identity and to their sense of love for their craft and what they do. Love and Tosha is rated R16 for some adult themes and some nudity, and it's streaming now on DocPlay. That's D-O-C-P-L-A-Y dot com. And that's our program for another week. We're listening to the music from the closing credits of Mika Karazmaki's film Master Cheng. As far as I can work out from the closing credits, the song is called Gleaming Trace and it's performed by Monica Tournell and Vicky Fong. If none of the three films we've talked about today float your boat, the French Film Festival returns to many cinemas this weekend. And if you still feel like staying at home, I can recommend a search of music documentaries on Netflix. 
Last weekend, we watched films about Quincy Jones, Dolly Parton, Bob Dylan, and Miles Davis. It's one of the things that Netflix consistently does pretty well. I'm Dan Slevin, and you can find me on Twitter as at Dan Slevin. That's all one word, and there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. After a long break, Simon Morris is back in command next week, so I trust you'll join him for more at the movies at the same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.